Hey, good evening. I don't know about you guys, but Friday is my favorite day of the week because like, I'm usually done with work. And so what better way to just celebrate God's goodness and the resurrection and everything he's done for us on a Friday. It's the only day of the week we get to have a, a church service. So um, thanks for coming. Um, we just hope that you're blessed by, the, by tonight, by the baptisms. Um, and uh, we just invite uh, God into this place. And we know he's got something special planned for us. So when I 
gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. When the rain 
the verses on that song. What a wonderful reminder as we're together on this Good Friday. And it is good because God is good. And God has done something incredible. Over 2,000 years ago, on this night, uh, Jesus, the Son of God, went to the cross. And it changed everything. And uh, tonight, we're going to be reminded of that. And uh, we're going to not have a, a sermon, but the, the message is going to be spoken through baptisms and through testimonies and through the reality of God's word and the power of God's word being made alive through his people. In fact, in uh, the book of Acts, uh, Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't, don't leave Jerusalem until I give you the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and he says, you're going to be my witnesses. He says, you're going to receive power, and you're going to be my witnesses. So what's happening tonight is, is we are going to be witnesses of the reality of the power of the cross and the resurrection. And, uh, and that is what God is going to use until he comes back. Jesus is coming back, but until he comes back, it's, it's through you. It's through me that he's going to speak through the Holy Spirit of the reality of what Jesus did on the cross. So here in a, in a few minutes, we're going to have uh, four uh, people who have said, uh, we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to be baptized. And uh, hopefully when you came in, there's a little booklet and you can see their pictures and hear a little bit of their, their testimonies and their stories. Um, but as, they come, as they're coming up, I just want to read something from the book of Ephesians that describes what is happening We don't believe that baptism is what saves us. It's Jesus who saves us. But baptism is a a sign. It's a picture of the reality of what Jesus has done in these four people's lives. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And so when we go under the water, what are we saying? We've died. (laughs) We are dead. That's the reality that, that our sin, the wages of sin is death in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Aren't you glad it doesn't end there, though? Listen to this. Aren't you glad we don't stay under the water? (laughs) But look at what happens. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us god but god his love for us do you do you know that tonight that he loves us so much he's rich in mercy made us alive with christ even when we were dead in transgression is by grace you have been saved and god raised us up with christ and so when you see those those people coming out of the water what what are we thinking god raised jesus from the dead he came out of the grave alive and he has given us his life. And because he died and because he lives, we too shall live. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I'm going to ask the, the, the four who are being baptized with their 
families, if you guys would just kind of line up here. I'm going to ask Jerry and, and, uh, and Caleb to come first, and then uh, Gordon and Lee, if you guys would go second. And then, so they're going to line up there and get ready. And so um, our role in this is we are witnesses, and we are um, going to celebrate with each of these, these uh, people who have chosen uh, to follow Jesus. And so would you join me in praying for them and praying for our time tonight? Lord God, we come before you, and we declare that Jesus, it is only through you, only in Christ alone, that we can experience salvation, that we can experience life that you intended for us. Lord, thank you for these, these four precious people who have said yes to Jesus and are obeying him in baptism because they want to witness and proclaim that his death on the cross forgave them of their sins and that his resurrection from the grave is their resurrection tonight, Lord. And so we give you praise. We give you glory. May, you, uh, may your presence fill uh, each person in their hearts here tonight, and may we be reminded of who you are, and but God alone can we be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'm not the only one that teared up a little bit, am I? Okay, great. first verse again. Lay down your burden.
<laughs> Man, it's such an incredible thing to see baptisms like this. Do you guys know what the church is? Is it this building? Is it Rim Rocky Free? No, it's us. We are the church. And like Ben just said, we are called by God to proclaim his name. And baptisms are such a powerful way to do this. I know it's metaphorical. They are not saved in this moment. But in the spiritual realm, bigger things happen than we can even know by their willingness to openly proclaim their faith in a public setting. You know, another way that we can do this is through our testimonies. You know, in Revelation 12... It's awesome. We actually know what Revelation's all about now. In Revelation 12, it gives a statement of the power of testimony. This is when Satan has been thrown out of heaven. He's down on earth. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our comrade, Satan, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Catch this verse. But they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the lamb, right? Jesus, the all-sufficient sacrifice and the word of their testimony. And when I heard this five, ten years ago, it struck me as powerful. Each of us have a story. Right? God has interacted with our lives in ways like no way else. And so that means that we have a story, a testimony to share about who God is, unlike anyone else can share. And by doing that, by being brave enough to stand in front of people and tell them about who God is and what he's done for you, I've seen two things happen. One, for the one who shares the testimony. It is them openly saying, this is what I believe, this is who I believe in. And something can happen deep within that person, within their minds and their emotions by being willing to do that. But the other thing is for those who hear. Right? This isn't theology. This isn't interpretation of the Bible. This is their story. If they're not lying, you have to sit and listen to who God is and what he's done. So we get the opportunity to hear two different testimonies tonight. And after that, we're giving you guys, one of you, a chance to come and grab the mic and do it as well. Right? Open mic in a church. Doesn't happen very often. But we'll give you three to five minutes, <laughs> three to five minutes to share what God's done in your life. But first, we get to hear from Enzo. Come on up, Enzo. Enzo's from Brazil. He's been going to the school of mines for quite a while now. He'll be graduating in what, 28 days? 28 days. It's a lot more intimidating from here. Uh, but, you know, it's so nice to see all these children getting baptized because at that age I wish I had known Christ and started a relationship with him because, man, it would have made things a lot easier. Um, but I, I was born again about two years ago. And um, I, I come from a, a semi-Christian family uh, in Brazil. We have a lot of cultural Catholics, and my family, you know, always taught me there, there, there's a God, and, and that we prayed for, for God um, at night before I went to sleep so that I, was, I would be protected. And 
Um, but I never really understood, you know, what, what Jesus was, who he was, what he did. I never understood that. And um, as, you're, as, you're, as I was growing up, I mean, there was, if you don't have a really strong foundation on, on that, the world is going to hit you like a rock, and it's going to shake you, and it's going to completely destroy. And, and that's, that's what had happened to me. Um, um, as I was growing up, becoming a teenager, I started to just question all of this, and it's like, there, there's not really a God. I mean, if there is a God, he doesn't care about us, about us at all. And as I was growing up, I, I started to have these, these self-harming thoughts. Um, and as long as I, I can remember I used to have them, I just used to, to, to hate myself. My, my parents divorced when I was three, and I, was, I never felt loved by my family. I never felt loved by anyone. Never, never really felt like people cared about me. I just started to hate myself, and th that hate started to get physical. And... Um, I started to develop a depression that, that lasted for, for a very long time, but it was until it was in second year of um, college that I went to a psychologist and I you know, didn't want to leave my room, didn't want to go to class. I was crying the whole time. But the, 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 most, the thing that I cannot explain through my depression was that I just felt like a, an anguish. I just felt so empty, hopeless. I mean, I, how, how I would describe to my psychologist was like having this monster next to me that used to suck all my joy and it would make me feel terrible and I couldn't really explain why. There was no really reason why I hated myself. And I started to develop thoughts of suicide for um, until um, about you know two years ago, I, was, I moved to Indianapolis for an internship and I was at a house and I had just broken up with my girlfriend and I had no friends near me. My, you know, I felt just terrible. I mean, that anguish, that that self-hate, that self-harm. I, I went to, to the garage of that house and I put a boxing bag and I started throwing punches. And when I, when I got a ladder to take the boxing bag out, um, I, um, I, that, I just saw that, that rope hanging the boxing bag and I just looked at it and I was like, this is it, like this is how I, I can finally get away from this life. I, I just hate it so much. I hate who I am. I never felt loathed by anyone. And I just didn't want to live. I mean, it was such an anguish. It's this, there's no joy, no point at all. And I, I just, I felt like a coward, but I couldn't do it. I just really, really wanted to do it. And I just couldn't. I couldn't. It was the perfect spot for me to do it there. And I, I just couldn't get myself to it. I just cried the whole time. And I went back to my room, and I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have any friends. My family was away. I had just broken up with my girlfriend. There was nobody I can talk to. So I posted something on Instagram just for a couple of friends. And I just said, hey, please, can somebody just talk to me? And like 30 seconds later, a friend of mine who was a childhood friend, I hadn't spoken in like a couple of years, texted me. And he was like, hey, I just saw that. Is everything OK? And then we started talking. And he started telling me about Jesus. And when I talked to him later, he said, oh, I just had reinstalled Instagram again. I, I, I don't like to use it because it gets me addicted to it, but I just reinstalled it a couple of minutes ago. And, and I just looked at your post. I'm like, hey, I have to talk to you. We've been friends forever. But. So he talked to me about Jesus, and I was taking, you know, I was, I was depressed. I was, uh, you know, clinically depressed. I was taking uh, heavy medicine and 
Um, I was to Indianapolis a couple of months later. I went back to Brazil because I needed to take that. I mean, I had always, almost committed suicide, so I decided to go back home to be with my family. And I, saw, I went to church for, for the first time after a long time, and I remember that message so clear because there are messages that you hear that you know that although they, they might connect to a lot of people, you know God is talking to you because that was very specific. Uh, the pastor said, was, was giving a message of hope, and he said, you know, wherever situation you are right now, God can take that monster that's sucking all your joy from you that's next to you. And it was how I talked about this depression, and I knew that was for me. So, I mean, to make things short, I mean, just I, I accepted Christ, or he accepted me, and, and I remember being so depressed and that I would look videos on YouTube, how to be happy, what is the purpose for this? I mean, I just started to accept that maybe life sucks and that's it, and maybe these thoughts, I can change them by just doing self-affirmations after I wake up and just, but I, I was so proud to not admit that there is a God. And when, that, when I heard that message, I not only understood there is a God, but most importantly that he's a personal God, he's a covenantal God, he, he wants to have a relationship with me, he wants to have a relationship with us, and that's what it felt. So I was still... After, you know, I, I accepted Christ, I was still feeling depressed, and I was just so afraid to, to stop taking my meds, or, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that, yeah, you know, go ahead and do that, but for me, I just felt for so many months that, hey, you know, like, you don't need to keep taking these anymore, until, you know, I was so afraid to do that, but one day, I, I went to sleep at my father's house, and I didn't take my meds, I always kept them with me, but I didn't this time, and I forgot taking them that day, and I remember that if I took them, hadn't taken them for like two, the next few days, I would just feel so terrible. So the next day, I went back home and grabbed the, the, the you know, forgot what it's called, but you know, the paper, to, the prescription to, to, to get a doctor, and then um, I got the prescription, went to the, the, the pharmacy to get the, mes the, the medicine, and the prescription was past due. So then it, it had been like two or three days after I had taken my meds, and I didn't feel anything. Then it felt terrible like I used to. And I just stopped taking my medicine and I haven't taken depression medicine since then. It's been two years. And the, the whole point wasn't that I stopped taking my medicine, of course, but I know that I didn't, I wasn't depressed anymore. I mean, uh, I, for the first time in like a long time, I understood what the purpose for all of this is and that there's, this is not, life is not made to suck. I mean. Life is made to, to, to love Jesus. I mean, the purpose of here is to spread his message. And it's such a living message. It gave me a joy that I, I never was that kid anymore. I was never depressed. I never hated myself, those self-intruding thoughts. I never wanted to hurt myself again. And it was not something I did because I, I tried getting rid of it by myself, and I couldn't. So I'm just all glory to God because there's, there, there's a joy in life now and that there's a reason to be here and to, to live and to be. And, yeah. Thank you, Enzo. Man, what courage. We get one more. Fleur, where are you at? So Fleur and her family, her uh, husband and her son, moved here just about a year ago from Arizona. Um, and this is something that she doesn't naturally like to do, but she told me that God is telling her this is what she must do. Thank you. Hi, I'm Fleur. Good evening. Um, I'm just going to 
tell you a little bit about how things were, um, how I came to Jesus, and how things are now. So I grew up in a home where my mom was Episcopalian, my father was Catholic, went to church you know, with some regularity, um, read the Bible, prayed, but I didn't really have a relationship with God. Um, and the home that I grew up in, I would say I suffered from a lot of big T traumas. So there was alcoholism, there was violence, there was divorce. Um, and so I just buried myself into my schoolwork and I put my nose to the grindstone and work, 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 and that was my way of, of coping with that. And I would say my mom, she was very um, focused on education and career. And so as a matter of like gaining self-worth and acceptance in my home, I, I really focused on my education. And um, my mom was like my foundation, my rock. And um, when I was 21, she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And she wasn't a smoker, it was a big surprise. And she passed away shortly thereafter. And at that time, I just really poured myself straight into school because that was all I knew what to do. That was probably, I would say, the lowest, the lowest point of my life. Um, and so, anyhow, I ended up going to dental school. I became an endodontist, so I do root canals for a living. And I know you all want to come see me. Um, but anyhow, and it's been, a, it's been a great career, but I let my career become my idol. I um, found myself working six days a week. I was working 10 to 12-hour days. And on the one hand, it was like, well, I was helping people and getting people out of pain, so it seems like a really good thing but it was at the expense of my friends, my family, my spirituality, pretty much everything. If it interfered with my career, it went to the wayside. Um, until God threw my husband in my chair for a root canal one Saturday afternoon, and it turned out that he had come from work at the hospital, so we were two peas in a pod, and I think it was meant to be. Um, but anyhow, we're in our late 30s, we decided to start trying to have kids really, really quickly. Um, and we suffered, um, we got pregnant right away and suffered a miscarriage at eight weeks. And then another one. And then we started fertility treatment. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a pretty grueling process. We went through three cycles of IVF back to back to back. And we did all the things you're supposed to do. We took all the meds you're supposed to take. Um, went in and got my blood drawn every other day and ultrasounds and you name it, we did it. Um, and we had both felt like if you do it and you do it right, you'll get the result, and there was no baby, no healthy baby. And then the very next month, we, we decided to stop trying IVF, we put it on the back burner, and God blessed us with a normal healthy pregnancy that is now my two-year-old son who's sitting in the back of this room. <laughs> and at that point I was like, God is real, God is good. And I need to put God at the center of my life. It doesn't need to be my career anymore, but, but God needs to be running my life. And so in the spirit of wanting to you know, raise our child, we were living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. Um, in the spirit of wanting to raise him in a more wholesome community, we started looking for a place to live and we moved to Rapid City a year ago um, by a miracle of God because my husband's super sub-specialized um, surgeon and then my specialty, we both found jobs here, which was amazing. And before we moved here, we started watching different services online to try to find a church home. And um, from the first Sunday that we moved here, we came to Rhyme Rock. We've fallen in love with it. I've gotten involved in Bible study. We've been um, reading the word, praying a lot, and God is doing miracles still in my life. Um, 
so they talk about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, and I am seeing those things happening for me. Peace, love, joy. Um, my life is, like, indistinguishable from what it used to be, and, um, and I'm so grateful for that. So most recently, I had a, a resentment against someone in my family, and I've had, held it for a long time, and I really felt like that was... Um, I was vindicated in that because they had wounded me pretty intensely. But I, you know, I tried to get rid of it on my own. I prayed about it. I um, prayed for forgiveness for them. And it just wasn't lifting. And then um, as I was reading the word and learning about repentance, I realized, well, I haven't repented for my part in this, which is holding this resentment against someone who, even though they've done something wrong to me, I still have a part to play because I'm carrying this resentment around. And I had this brick that I had been carrying around for seven years. You, that person's number came up on my cell phone. I was automatically angry, uh, you know, irritated. <laughs> and so anyhow, um, I just prayed to God, like, I'm so sorry for holding this grudge against this person. And, um, and then I contacted that person. I apologized and prayed for God to lift it from me because I could not do it on my own. I could not forgive this person on my own. And by a miracle, he removed that resentment from me just completely. It was poof gone um, anyhow. So I'm just so thankful that God has given me the opportunity to live this life that I'm living now and not that life that I was living before. So thanks. Thanks for listening. Man, you see what Re Revelation 12 is talking about? The power of these stories. Right? Both of these show, one, the reality of God, and two, his power to bring his goodness into their lives. So now we'll have that awkward 60 seconds of silence. Is there anyone out here that feels that urge, that desire to come and share the ways that God has interacted in your life? You coming up, Reese? Yes. This is Reese Harlow. Um, as Evan said, uh, my name's Reese. I'm 16. I'm still in high school, and I guess I'll get started. So, just giving like a little backstory about me. Um, so, my parents got divorced when I was really young. Um, like my dad just kind of went did his own thing and me and my mom just kind of battled through and got through it on our own and like now life is great like she is like my rock she is so strong and I look up to her so much but it's never been easy uh not having a dad I mean him and I never got along and sometimes I just felt like God like why are you doing this to me like this is horrible like why do you take this like huge 
thing away from my life, and I was so blessed to grow up with a grandma. Uh, her name is Mickey Harlow. I bet a few faces know her in here. Um, but she has uh, one of the purest and sweetest hearts I have ever known, and she has just the, like, most utmost trust in the Lord, and I just admire that, and I've, like, never really been able to grasp that. Like, I've never been able to understand it as well as she does because she is always reading the Word. She's always sitting on her corner of the couch doing her Bible study all the time, and we're always like, get, get off of your Bible right now. We're eating dinner. Like, come on. Um, but uh, she's just been great, and uh, at one point, I just kind of felt, like, lost in a sense, where, like, I felt like I was going through the motions, like I, like, I was happy, like, there was no sense in me that I was, like, depressed or sad about anything, but I just kind of, felt, like, had that question, like, that missing piece, and so freshman year came around, and, like, I was like, this is high school, this is, like, a new start for me, I'm so excited, and then, like, a bunch of people, a lot of my friends started going downhill into things that I wasn't really into, and I just kind of almost felt like, man, I feel really left out. Um, but for one of my classes, we have to have service hours and for, like, the church. And I have, it wasn't a thing for me to go to church very much anymore. Like, I was like, I believe in God, and that's that. Like, I'm, I just don't go to church very often. Um, but I reached out to Angie, and I was like, hey, uh, can I help you out with the kids? Like, I remember when I was younger, and I loved to do that. Um, so I started doing that, and just, like, almost kind of, unpacking a lot of things, just talking about the Lord helped me so much, um, because it was like, I really do have a stronghold that will keep me sane, and like, will keep me steady, like, throughout anything that I go through, and even though I can't see him, I can feel him every time I feel alone, or I feel broken in a sense, because I let people in sometimes, and I'm like, oh, you, you're great, like, you seem really nice, like, we're like best friends now, but like, I get blindsided, and it's very easy for that to happen, and I just get so emotionally attached to people that I just am like, God, like, why do you keep letting these people burn me? Like, you say that you love me. You say that you're never going to give me something I can't handle, and right now I just feel like I can't. I just, I can't do it right now. Like, I need s some help. And so it t took a little bit of time, but I started uh, phasing away once again from church um, throughout the summer just because I got a job, and I was like, I'm just going to work because I love to work and I love to help people, so I thought that that would help me, like, kind of sometimes cope with things, like, when I needed some space, like, I'd go to work, I'd work 12-hour shifts at the pool, and I'd be like, this is great, and, like, I wake up, I go to work, I get home, I do my stuff, I talk to my mom, and I go to bed, like, I just felt like that was the best I could have for then, but then this year, once again, service rolled around, and I was like, well, I don't want to drive all the way out there again, I had to pay for my own gas, like, and it's really expensive right now. So I um, reached out to Dee Hayes, and she, when I was little, she was, like, my idol. I was like, you are great. Like, you are my favorite. And I remember just, like, looking to her, and she had so much wisdom, and she was, like, you, like just poured it all into me when I was little. And so um, she's given me so many opportunities to help people, and then I started getting to know the church and people and like getting out of my shell and just talking about it and I just think that it was so eye-opening for me because it's like there's a community waiting for me and the Savior who knows that these are the people that I needed and it's helped me so much to where like now I'm like I'm never alone 
I never feel alone. Like I'm very like just happy with the people I have myself surrounded with and when I feel overwhelmed, I'm just I'm just like I need to go to church. This I need to go to church because <laughs> it's like the point that I look forward to now instead of it being like, oh, I got to make time for church. It's the place where I feel most relaxed and it helps me decompress of the week. And I'm like, I'm ready for school. I'm ready to take on anything. And so it's just been really helpful to have all these people be so welcoming and to with so, like such open arms. And it's just been so crazy just to see how the like, Lord works through people. And so I guess I've just been trying to show that to other people and reach out. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Reese. It's not every day that a 16-year-old girl is braver than all of you, huh? <laughs> My goodness. Man, thank you, Reese. Thank you, Fleur. Thank you, Enzo. Uh, what powerful stories about who God is and the way that he works in people's lives. You know, Ben's going to come up. We're going to do some, commun some communion. I just want to challenge you. You each have a story of God and his reality. Hang on to that story and be ready to share it. You have no clue of the ways that that will fight against the king of this world. Isn't that encouraging to hear what God has done? It's so important to hear those stories and to recognize those stories and share those stories. But it all started, I think Enzo said it well, it all started with God. It was nothing that we could do, right, out of Ephesians. Like, it's not what we do. It's a gift from God. So we're going we're gonna to take communion tonight because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So we've got to remember who's the one that saves us, who's the one that rescues us. Because like Reese said and Fleur said, like we can get caught up in our jobs, our families, lots of things, right? We can get caught up in all these other things that, that aren't God. They're, they're good things. They have their place. But only God can truly satisfy. And and the only way we could really understand that was what Jesus did on the cross. Tonight's Good Friday, and so we're going to meditate on the cross. And I thought the, way, the best way to do that um, is I'm going to actually just read the crucifixion uh, from Matthew. And then when you're ready, the musicians are going to come up, and they're going to start playing um, some, some worship music. And when you're ready, there's tables up here on the side, and when you're ready, just Go to that table and, and take the bread. Jesus said it, that's a representation of his body that was broken for you uh, so that we could be healed and made whole. And then the, the bread can be dipped in the cup, and then you can eat that. And that, that cup represents the blood of Jesus, which his blood was shed so that we can be forgiven, so that we could, like Fleur said, so that we could forgive others, so that we could be forgiven and that grace can be shared with others. So I'm going to read... Uh, from the from the Gospel of Matthew, and the worship team is going to come on, on up, and then we will be able to celebrate communion together tonight. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the planetarium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him, and they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him, and then they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they set it on his head, and they put a staff in his right hand, they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. And they spat on him. They took the staff, struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe. They put on his own clothes on him. They led him away to crucify him. 
And as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simeon, and they forced him to carry the cross. And they, they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And they, sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross. And then they will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabbati, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken? And some of those staying there heard this, and they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with wine vinegar to put on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook. And the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. And they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. And among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Dead 
don't forget the things that I taught you. I've conquered death and I hold the Where I go, you go to someday. But there's much to do here before you leave. So go and tell the world about me.
one more song, but um, I just uh, have to say thanks to Ella and Caitlin and Jack. Um, I've got to work with them in the youth band over in the A-frame sort of building. A-frame, yeah. Anyway, um, just it's been a huge blessing to me to work with them and to um, for them to work with me and uh, yeah, just beyond words. Uh, how much they've grown, and just because um, they had courage to just step forward and take a, a leap of faith. So really proud of you guys. Thank you. My my wife Tessa is also amazing, but she's not in youth group. That yeah. So.
God, we just thank you so much for this time tonight to recognize what you've done for us. Lord, what we've been studying in Revelation, Lord, just all comes to this this moment of, of knowing that you willingly stepped in our place. And we have to humble ourselves, Lord, to come to this place of recognizing that and thanking you. So, Lord, we just use this time leading up to this Sunday, Lord. We just pray that we would meditate on the sacrifice that you have made and just what you have done on our behalf for as our um, our testimonies showed us things that we could not do on our own. Lord, you did what we could not do. So we recognize that. We say thank you. Lord, thank you for everyone here tonight. Pray for protection over them, Lord. I pray for um, just direction. And I just ask that you would bless this time. Bless each and every person here. Thank you for those who were brave enough to speak. Thank you for those who chose to be baptized tonight. And Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Hope to see you on Sunday. We won't be here. We'll be at the monument, just in case anyone was wondering.